0: As Farzi, as we're getting closer to the end of our alphabetical trip through the Ontario Hockey League. And as we make a stop in the Nickel City, I have a very important question for our guest because as this COVID thing goes on, we see uh, bars and restaurants not being able to make it through. And I just want to confirm that the Caruso Club is still working and open up in Sudbury.
1: Russo pub still there. Yeah. They were uh, trucking on Ben Leeson who
0: covers the wolves for the
2: Sudbury star knows where we like to eat. I thought Poper, you were going to ask about your favorite coffee shop right across the street from the arena.
0: I, I should have. Maybe it's just cause I just had some schnitzel and some pierogies from oh, the lovely right. Metro restaurant here in Kitchener. Um, and it got me thinking. And I was like, we're not going to Sudbury this year and we're going to miss out on the Caruso club and Lord knows how much Farzi and I like our foods, but yes, the old rock, I believe it's called old rock, the coffee yeah. shop right across. Yeah. It's still good too.
1: Oh yeah. It's still there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Things are good in Sudbury, obviously Farzee, <laughs> I, I think that, and that's the podcast. So who's our guest?
2: You know, it's, it's <laughs> funny because I, I had a chat during this pandemic madness on my uh, daytime job, you know, the talk show on Five Seventy news with a professor from Laurentian and I scored huge points by making reference to the old rock because we were talking about coffee and he's like how do you know about the old rock i said let me tell you how i know about the old rock uh anyway ben we appreciate your time as we get set for another season
1: yeah so i guess you guys are uh, are going to miss the climb up to the old uh, press box this year too so there's you'll, you'll have that to wait to look forward to in the future i suppose
2: I don't know what we'll miss more—that climb, which is not steps, it's a ladder. Let's be clear about it—or that raggedy old wolf that comes across the ice on the wire when Sudbury scores a goal.
1: The wolf's still holding up too, so uh, so that'll be waiting for you, I'm sure, when you when you get back. But no, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's nice to get a chance to get on here and talk a little bit about the season coming up.
0: And obviously, the big question in Sudbury is: Quentin Byfield going to be back? <laughs>
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on that one. No.
0: Oh, okay. But, uh,
1: but, uh, well, I mean, especially with, uh, with, you know, with the rule change this year, with the players being exempted to play in the AHL, I think even if he wasn't ready for the, uh, Kings, which, uh, he, uh, he very well may be by the looks of things. I mean, it's hard to see him ending up anywhere else with the AHL then. So I got the um. real question
2: that we need answered up there, Ben. And that is this, how much are you paying david branch and the ontario hockey league for all the first round or first overall picks three and seven years now
1: you might have to put that one to the team but yeah that's uh that's been something else and of course this one last one was was pretty unexpected i remember sitting there watching that draft lottery show and just thinking okay the wolves are still in there still in there and then the last two and i of course uh saw them pop up at the end and you know it's uh it was something I think it even threw management here for a bit of a loop too. Cause all of a sudden it's like, okay, we, we have a different plan now. You know, the guys we might've been looking at might've identified that we thought we would get, uh, you know, maybe we got to look at a couple others as well. So it's, uh, and, and what was already a tricky year scouting wise. Right. So, um, but seemed to work out well for them.
0: Quentin Musty was the guy they took first overall. What are you hearing about him?
1: Uh, hear a lot of good things about him. I mean, I've had a, the pleasure of speaking with uh, the young man a few times now. Um, really, uh, you know, really composed, almost a little bit of a laid back kind of character when you talk to him, but, you know, clearly enjoys, uh, enjoys the game, likes playing, takes it serious, but uh, ha- have had the opportunity now to see him on the ice uh, on several occasions through the rookie camp and their training camp and, uh, you know, in-, in person after seeing him in video and several times. And, uh, you know, he's looking as advertised so far. I mean, he- he's got the, the makings of, I think potentially a, a special player. I mean, it's, you know, not just the size and the skill, but you can see the way he thinks the game, the way he utilizes his line mates. There, there could be some some really good stuff there for Sudbury.
2: Opers terrible joke about Quinton Byfield aside, <laughs> let's be honest here. The uh, the post Byfield era begins in Sudbury, oh, and sure. yeah. I, I guess Ben, it's got to be it's got to be a little bit. Uh, tough to swallow simply because when last we saw the Sudbury Wolves, Quinton Byfield was very much a part of the team. And this was not long after the Uko pekka Lukonen experience when the Wolves, you know, I know we, from the Western conference, Chris and I were looking at this Wolves team saying, boy, oh boy, they could go as far as a goaltender like that would take them. But, you know, in the absence of, of, of pedigree like that, let's say, what are the Wolves looking like coming into the 2021, 2022 campaign?
1: Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say that the, the players that they've they've got have looked the way they'd hope they'd look so far. Um, you know, all throughout camp, I think all, like a lot of assigned rookies, including musty guys like David Goyette, uh, a couple of the other picks last year, Coach Adelik, uh, Evan Konyan. They're all young, but they've they've looked very good. Um, there's not a lot of experience, especially up front but uh, guys like Chase Stillman, uh, guys like Jack Thompson on the back end have uh, you know, very much looked, w- without being able to compare them to, to what's out there in the league, of course, have very much looked like guys who have taken that step you'd hope they would have taken at this point, and I, I think they're pretty excited about what they got. Uh, there's gonna be question marks. I mean, the youth's a big part of it, and um, it is gonna be a young league overall, so I guess we'll see to what extent that's really a factor. Uh, You know, the goaltenders are still somewhat unproven, despite the fact that they're, uh, you know, fairly, uh, you know, that they're older kids in the league. They haven't still haven't played a lot. Um, So they're going to have something to prove, of course. Back end should be in pretty good shape. Um, But again, I guess we're going to have to get around the league a little bit and see what uh, what these guys look like, especially against some of the strong teams. They're going to have a couple pretty strong teams in their division that they're going to see a lot this year.
0: You mentioned Chase Stillman, his father, Corey, leaving uh, Sudbury to go to the National League and as, as an assistant in Arizona. Mm-hmm. What kind of shoes does he f- uh, leave behind to be filled?
1: Well, um, Corey, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he did a good job. He, he wasn't there a long time and didn't, certainly had, didn't have a lot of experience coaching at the OHL level when he arrived. But, uh, you know, seemed to really quickly win the respect of the players, uh, put some uh, systems in place that they seemed to uh, take very well to and obviously had some success. Um, you know, he's, uh, early on, of course they were hampered by injuries and sort of made the decision, I think to uh, go a bit younger and, and, you know, and there was of course that opportunity for, uh, to draft Quinton Byfield, which was uh, hard to pass up, but he, uh, I think he did a very good job and showed, uh, you know, judging by his, uh, his, uh, hiring at the NHL level that, uh, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, potential there for him as a coach. So it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty big decision, I think for, for Rob Papineau, the GM his first um his second uh hire, um you know cory being his, his his first uh by himself as as head coach you know who he was going to bring in and there was so much turnover in the league of course as far as coaches go there was a lot of guys a lot of teams looking for uh for guys and you know some some were able to land some pretty good talent but uh I, I think they feel like they've made a really strong choice with Craig Duncanson, who had uh, led the Laurentian Voyagers program for a number of years. And uh, I know he's, you know, he's, he's very well respected by a lot of people in the game who uh, feel that, um, feel that he did a lot some years with with what he had for a Laurentian team that wasn't necessarily that strong. And uh, you know, the, the, the players so far seem to have taken well to him too. So it uh, seems to be a good move at this point.
2: You know, it's interesting. You talk about the amount of turnover in the coaching ranks. It's almost half the league, I think, if you start oh, counting no? them off. Wow. That yeah, mm-hmm. the teams had to uh, find a new bench boss. So Craig Duncanson, as you just mentioned, he's he's a got that northern connection with Laurentian, mm-hmm. and it's great to be at the end of the alphabet here as we've gone alphabetically through the league and now into Sudbury because we're into training camp. And now you've maybe seen—I'm sure you have—Craig Duncanson on the ice with the players. What kind of approach is he bringing?
1: He seems to be a you know he's a guy who's. uh you know, Craig, Craig's a really nice guy. First of all, real you know, really easy to talk to. He's been fantastic for us to deal with, and you'll see that uh, if you get the chance to deal with him in the media as well. But um, you know, a guy that uh, a guy that I think it, it respect you know expects a lot from his players, expects them to uh, you know have a strong work ethic, expects them to do everything they need to do to take those steps toward being successful in this league and, and being a pro. And he's learned a lot of that from the lengthy pro career that he had um you know but also a guy that i think they're uh you know pretty comfortable speaking with um you know definitely uh definitely a bit of a player's coach too so uh it's it seems like a good fit for a young team at this point i think
0: i want to talk to him and get him on the podcast because 178 penalty minutes in his rookie season <laughs> as a sudbury wolf as a 16 year old If you're putting up 178 pims as a 16 year old you're not scared of much i don't think at that point
1: no, no, he's a, not the biggest guy, but top, I, you know, I always heard, you know, big, heavy hands on him, you know, and that was one thing that guys had to be aware of. You look at some of his PIM uh, totals in, uh, you know, in uh, some of the pro teams he played for too, they're uh, they're up there as well. So uh, definitely guys probably knew when he was on the ice uh, it, for a couple of different reasons.
2: What is the feeling right now in Sudbury, Ben, in the community? Uh, obviously there's an appetite to be back for that hardcore base offense, but how much, uh, did the pandemic in the last season impact, uh, the fan base in Sudbury?
1: I, I guess we're, you know, still probably taking a measure on that, but, uh, there seems to certainly be some excitement about the fact that the league's back, that, that the team's back. I mean, um, I get the impression from just the reaction when we post stories online and on, you know, social media and stuff, that there's, they're being well-read and there's some interest there. And I, I guess we're going to have to see what the, you know, the stands look like when the games get going and, uh, and they get, they, they get playing to see if they can get to that 1,000 uh, that, uh, capacity that they're currently capped at. Um, but uh, there does seem to be some appetite for it back. And, you know, maybe like a lot of us, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, it might be on more on the side of cautious optimism that things are going to go ahead and go fairly smoothly. But, uh, I mean, I'm trying to keep my fingers crossed, and I think a lot of the fans here are too.
0: Obviously, during a global pandemic, I'm sure this got pushed to the back burner. Maybe it was the perfect time to do it. But is there any update on a new rink for the Wolves?
1: Uh, that's that's been uh, that's been quite the process. It's still kind of something that's that's grinding along. There's been um, it, it's been a bit of a polarizing issue as far as where it's going to go uh and whether it's going to be a new build or a renovation and you know i don't know if uh, you want me to get into all the details of that today but uh it's something that's still sort of uh i mean council did reaffirm its commitment to the to building the rink at the proposed site not too long ago to doing the big uh, complex out there uh there still remains some opposition to that and some other uh some other issues maybe to be overcome yet so we'll we'll see um it's uh Right As of right now, it's supposed to be moving along. So we'll, we'll okay. see what
2: happens with it. I know the Northern teams like to laugh at the Southern Ontario teams when we complain about getting on buses and going for road trips. But uh, there's a conversation to be had around travel this year simply because we're keeping it all in the conference. Sure. So as much as we'll miss our trip to Sudbury in the Eastern Conference, we won't necessarily miss the long ride. But how does the schedule uh, shake out for the Wolves? Will you still have those games against the Greyhounds because you're both Northern teams, anything like that?
1: Yeah, they're gonna play the Greyhounds quite a bit still, um, which is probably you know still which is now gonna be one of the shorter trips for the for the Sioux for sure. Um, because uh because I mean they're not really that close to anybody and they're not playing the American teams at this point. Uh, there's gonna be a whole bunch of games against North Bay, which is only about an hour and a half away. Gonna play Barry a lot of times, which is you know one of those real strong teams that I mentioned. I would think I think Barry's gonna be a pretty uh, strong, strong team this year. And uh, you know, they're they're going to a couple other points. Um sort of more to, to the South and, and East, you know, we got Peterborough in there. You've got, uh, we've got Oshawa, teams like that. Um, but uh, you know, they're trying to cut down the travel. Of course, Northern teams, you can only do it so much, but uh, it's going to mean a lot of games against that North Bay team and, and, and the Sioux, and it, it could get pretty interesting by the end of the year as these players get a little tired of one another. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pope was just saying earlier today, four of Kitchener's first six games are against the Guelph Storm. It's like wow. a playoff series to start things off.
1: Just like right all in the front like that
0: too. Yeah. Wow, It's crazy. Okay. Um, the uh, Wolves struggled in the past. Obviously, we talked about how many first overall picks. They had the big run with UPL, ukapeka and I know they wanted to build around Quinton and make a big push, but what mm-hmm. would a, a deep push into an OHL final, for instance, do to the fan base up there in Sudbury?
1: I think it'd be huge. I mean, it's only happened twice before once, of course, in like the late seventies and the last time would have been 2007. And I just missed that. I was still in the Sioux at the time. Um, but it, uh, you know, it's one of those things that just takes over the city. Uh, it was, it was, it was huge here. You know, it was a, it was a sensation, the fact that they were in the, in the OHL final and, uh, and competitive, uh, too. And it was kind of a little bit of an unexpected run. If you'd looked at their, their regular season that year, although in hindsight, you look at some of the players they had, maybe it shouldn't have been unexpected, you know, the, you know, the NHL career, some of them ended up having, but, uh, but it would, it would be, it would be huge. Um, you know, I think that that would, uh, that would really sort of capture the imagination of the the whole city and uh And and yeah, that's what they're building for. I think they were uh, obviously uh, disappointed when the season got cut short when they had a good team a couple years ago, and uh, then I think they they thought they could really maybe push for something this past year, only to see that canceled altogether. So you're kind of hitting reset now. But I think the hope their hope is that this they can keep this young core together and uh, really build towards something like that um, in in a couple years. Uh, You know, I'm sure they hope to win this year too, but. You look at the youth, and you look at the way this league tends to go. You know, I, I think that's uh, that's what we're we'll shooting for at this point. But it, it would be it would be a huge event for sure. No doubt about it.
2: Strictly from your career standpoint, Ben, uh, how does a uh, beat reporter for the Sudbury Wolves, writing for the Sudbury Star, fill his time when there is no Sudbury Wolves?
1: It was actually a little easier than I thought. I mean, I help out on the news side a bit anyway, so there's some of that, but we uh the one thing we can look back on i think with a little bit of pride is the fact that we managed to keep the sports section in the paper every day this uh through throughout this whole thing it gave us a chance to maybe do some some different stories we didn't normally do some kind of features maybe look back at certain things um you know we had uh i have a columnist uh here uh randy pascal who you uh you may have met uh when you've come to the city who does some great work for us and he started a column that he called nickel city nostalgia that kind of looks back at a lot of the uh some of the the forgotten or or untold stories from uh, Sudbury sports history which has been really successful but uh in a way it felt like a long time there were days when I woke up and I wasn't sure what I was putting in the paper that the next day but but looking back on it now it seems to have gone by pretty quickly and you know we're happy that we were able to to find stuff all the way through and now the business is picking up again you're just like okay how am I going to keep on top of all of this right now that the uh the wolves are back and everything else is happening too so I, I shouldn't complain though that's uh, that's what we wanted so uh so don't you don't catch me complaining about that for sure
0: I don't know about you guys, but now that everything's starting to get back closer to normal, I feel like the smallest little thing, I feel like overwhelmed because I haven't done anything for like a year and a half. You get, you oh, know, all of a sudden you have like yeah. two balls to juggle. You're like, Whoa,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. There are days my four editor forwarded me a couple of stories that had like sub connections that have been done elsewhere. And, and I'm just working away on some other stuff. And I'm like, where were these stories when I needed them? Like now, <laughs> now I've got all, all this stuff to, to try and get in. But uh, again, it's not a complaint. It's a nice problem to have right now.
0: But we call this podcast OHL stories. Cause we like to get some stories on this podcast about the mm-hmm. league in, in your time covering the OHL. Do you have any, uh, stories that pop into your mind when asked?
1: There's been a few things I've been thinking about since you guys asked me to come on and, and, uh, you know, you get, you get some funny stuff or some stuff that was a bit dramatic or, or whatever, but you know, one of the, one of the ones that's really kind of stuck out to me just in these last few years that, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty bittersweet, but, uh, it was uh, something that kind of, you know, was heartwarming too. Um, a few years ago, it was, it was fall 2018. Um, w- Wolves had a player playing for them that year uh, by the name of Ryan Obonsuin, a local guy from the Zilda, Um, was a free agent signing out of camp. He'd kind of been on their radar for a bit, attended their rookie camp before, spent a little time in Gatineau, Quebec, where he suffered a pretty serious injury, but he came back and he made the team that season and ended up sticking as, as a regular through the year and really, you know, just hardworking guy really liked by his teammates uh, Embraced sort of a checking role, pen, good penalty killer. But the, that fall he actually suffered a pretty uh, devastating loss in his life. His, uh, his longtime girlfriend, um, her name was M- Melissa Kingsley, who, who was a really, really good hockey player in her own right. Um, was part of the TELUS cup uh uh, not TELUS Cup, uh, ESO Cup champions uh, from uh, Sudbury, a uh, really good goal scorer, had been recruited by Ottawa. She, uh, you know, very sadly ended up losing her life to cancer um, that that fall and around the end of October, first part of November. And it was supposed to be Rod Shutt tribute night because they were retiring Rod Shutt's number. Of course, you, you'll remember Rod as, you know, great OHLer, played in the NHL, probably one of the best goal scorers the Wolves have ever seen. It was part of one of their two teams that went to a final. And it was uh, the night they were going to retire his number, but because Melissa had just passed away, they also did a tribute to her in a moment of silence. And uh, Ryan, who had worn 16, switched his number to the 23 that she had, uh, she had worn throughout her career and which actually ended up getting retired here by the uh, minor hockey organization. And they had a really good game against Erie. I think they beat them six, one just came out of the gate flying. Um, David Levin had probably one of the best games he had as a Wolf, too, like highlight real goals where he went end to end pretty well. And uh, Ryan the did play a really, really strong game. And I remember interviewing, I, I didn't bother Ryan right after the game. I, I talked to him about it later, and he was always pretty open about the whole thing. But, uh, you know, we interviewed some of the other players after, and, you know, you almost felt a little, it was a nice night for Rod, but you almost felt a little bad for him because it was really that was what the players were playing for that night. They were playing for, for their teammate. And uh, it was a, uh, you know, they very much dedicated the win to him and uh, he, you know, he went on to a good OHL career, stayed there through the season. He's now at uh, Guelph where they won, uh, won a championship as well. And uh, just good, hardworking kid. But uh, that was, you know, that was one of those nights where it kind of, you know, uh, tugged at your heartstrings a bit for sure. And it, it was about more than hockey for these guys. So that's one of those ones that from the last few years, it sticks out to me for sure. What a
2: great story. And it just, you know, reminds us all that there is more to this game than just what happens on the ice for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Lots more of those stories to uncover in the uh, months and years ahead. Ben, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, we're going to miss you on a trip to Sudbury this year. Maybe the OHL final, I guess it could happen. I mean, stranger things have, but uh, (laughs) appreciate you making time for us on this podcast this week.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate having me on. It's been a lot of fun and uh, I'd love to do it again someday. Be
0: well up there, Ben, and if uh, the Old Rock ever does, uh, where they, they're shipping out, like maybe skip the dishes down to Kitchener, I could <laughs> grab a couple bags of beans for sure.
1: All right, I'll let you know if I get into that.
2: Hey, Popey, I know you love to uh, intro the guests. Dennis Weidman played for a minute in Sudbury before moving on to the London Knights. Now an associate coach with the Kitchener Rangers. What do you got for us? Well,
0: that's pretty much it, I think, right?
2: <laughs> that sums it up, right? Yeah.
0: Long Here's- long NHL career, OHL oh, standout Yeah, in Sudbury, and then down in uh, South on the 401 somewhere in some city, but uh, now now with Kitchener, Dennis Wyden.
2: Growing up in Elmira, you uh, like me, so I had an older brother, and when I wanted to play sports with the older kids, it's like, okay, Mikey, you're the you're the younger one, you're going in net. Uh, was that the kind of uh, sports upbringing you had with older brothers?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was similar to that. But we, I mean, as far as net playing net goes, we all we switched. We all like to play it. So, but yeah, definitely. I think you're at a bit of an advantage when you have when you have older brothers and you get to play against older kids and you're always playing against guys that are better than you. Um, I think it gives you an advantage for sure. How are you finding the transition to the OHL? As a coach, uh, if, if coach um, it's it's been good. I think um, you know we've got a good group of coaches too. I think um, last year was kind of just getting my feet wet and doing some watching, doing some learning, and. Um, um, so far it's, it's been great I, I haven't had, uh, I've had a lot of fun And, we, and it helps when you have uh, The group that we have this year this, The group of kids we have this year A lot of fun
2: I was telling Popper last year, because it was his first year full-time doing this gig with me, and I said to him, it's not always like this. Game seven, double overtime, West final, right? We've gone through some missed playoff years. But as that being your your first year, then comparing to this year, a little bit of a rebuild with the club. But what do you take away from it as a coach in terms of the experiences from last season to this?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I walked into... A good team, probably the best team that they've had here for a, f- a few years. Um, so that's always fun when you're winning. <laughs> um, but, you know, this year's been a challenge in a different way. You're working with younger guys. Um, you know, plays kind of matter a little bit more because you don't have the explosive offense that we had last year. And, um, you know, it's more of a teaching Teaching part of it, so you almost feel a little bit more involved this year than than maybe last year, where you had older guys that've been around. I'm just kind of get just kind of learning uh, what I'm doing, so I feel like I feel like there's there's a lot more of that going on this year than last year.
2: I remember a play, we saw it, and we talked to Jay about it after the game. It was Michael Vakoyevich basically six feet from the left of his net in his own zone, and he fired a, pa- a pass cross ice to center onto the opposite wing. And he got away with it. We asked Jay about it after the game. He says, that, that's Wides' problem. He's with the defense. When you see a play like that, obviously Vooks can pull it off once in a while, but does it make you cringe? Do you have a chat with him after that?
3: Um, no. No, I think... He uh, pulled that move yeah. <laughs> off. <laughs> I, see it, I see it a little bit differently than Jay does. I see the game a little bit differently. Uh, no, I mean, if, 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 if they, they get caught trying to make a play, or a good play, and it's the right play, um, I don't get a problem with it. Sometimes they get picked off. Sometimes they don't work. I want them to make plays, but you know, maybe if it's a a tie game or it's late in the period or, or the circumstance that they made that play, maybe it was a bad decision. I would talk to them more about the decision and the timing of, of forcing that play, whereas when you should do it and kind of when you shouldn't do it. Um, you know, when it's a, you're up by a goal and lost five ten minutes of a game, maybe you don't maybe. You, don't try to make that play maybe you just make sure you get it out and have the more safe play it's a tie game or we're up by or we're down by one or something hey you got to go or early in the period or whatever so i think it's more about the situation i don't want to take i don't want to try to take any of their what they see away because um making that play and making that right decision is, is what they, what's expected at the next level so if you're telling them they can't do it here how are they going to do it at the next level
0: you got a couple guys on this team on the back end that really like to jump up in the play. We see Lukovitch doing it a little more, and then you got whatever Donovan Sabrango is. Because I think we're just cracking the surface of a young player like that. Do you look at a young player like that that has that type of skating and that type of offensive mindset, and, and just think I'm going to have a lot of fun with a player like this?
3: Yeah, he's he's definitely. It's a player to be excited about. I think he's uh, he's got everything. He's got all the tools. He's a smart kid, like extremely smart kid. His hockey IQ is is high. Um, You know, he's the type of guy that you don't really have to explain anything to because when he makes a mistake, he comes back and I don't got to say anything. He's mad. You know, he knows that he that he made that mistake. So again, you're just trying to rein him in and trying to direct him in the right right way. But yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be a great player. He's got he's got all the tools. Um, Just you know, a few tweaks here and there that that should come with age. But I I don't. I mean, I've been around the OHL long, so I don't really sure how many. 16-year-olds that have the kind of impact that he's having, especially on defense. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably not many, um, but he's he's been real good. Real smart player.
2: You haven't been around the OHL long as a coach, but you had a 12-year pro career and, of course, you went through this league. Can you take us through a bit of that journey and, and what it was like for you progressing through the Ontario Hockey League mm-hmm. and ultimately getting drafted into the show?
3: <laughs> the Ontario Hockey League, that's a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> it's fun <laughs> funny how the memory goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started, I played in Sudbury for a year, a year and a bit, a year and maybe 20 games or something like that, and then I went to London, and I got graded <laughs> there for a couple of older guys, Chris Kelly, or, uh, yeah, Chris Kelly and Dan Janseski, two guys that played um, for a little bit. Dan Janseski was in the Dallas system for a while, and Chris Kelly, everybody knows him, so, um, and there might have been a pick coming with me too, sure, I'm not sure exactly how it all worked out, but. Um yeah, and then I went there, and London was kind of the hunters had just taken it over they 'd only had it for maybe a year or so we we're in the old ice house um, it was uh you know it wasn 't the organization that it is now yeah. they had those awful jerseys <laughs> <laughs> eggplant or whatever like uh, just terrible. The rink was not so good, wooden benches, and you know they were probably getting a couple thousand <clears> of <throat> fans a night, you know, maybe. Um, except for playoffs and it filled up but it wasn't a great place to watch a hockey game and then they built the new thing and obviously everybody knows what, what they're at now and what they've done with that organization but uh, yeah, I went there and then I didn't get drafted my draft year to the NHL, I got drafted the next year by Buffalo um, never played a game with them because I, I was drafted the year after so if they didn't sign me then I was a free agent so I signed, ended up signing with St. Louis. While I was at Calgary's uh, summer camp, I was at I was at their camp, and then I was only there for like a day. And I signed with, agreed to a contract with St. Louis. So I left there, went home, and then I played a year and a half at St. Louis, and then went on to Boston, and then to Florida, Florida, and then to Washington, and then to Calgary. <laughs> so it's kind of around, but it was yeah, it was obviously it was great, a great experience. I loved, I loved all the the cities that I played in differently. Um, I think my favorites are probably Washington and uh, Boston. Best cities I think that I played in. You had a lot of success in both those cities.
0: Florida's a nice spot. Calgary's a nice spot. At the end of your career, what made you come home?
3: What made Waterloo Region the place you wanted to settle down? Yeah, there was never there was never a thought of going anywhere else for me. Um, you know, I grew up here. I've come back here every year. Um, I have a, a group of friends that I've known since I was three, four. Uh, my one friend was born four days before me. Their the ho- parents were in the hospital together, and they were friends before we were born, too. So I've got a big group of friends from from home, and my wife does, too. She's from Owen Sound, and she still has a big group of friends up in Owen Sound, too. So there it, it was never any consideration of, of going anywhere else. We were coming back here. I bought my cottage um, up north there. I bought that. Uh, it's got to be ten or eleven years ago now, so I was just doing that, and we're living there. there was, I was coming back here for sure.
2: <laughs> I want to explore a little bit further the the experience in London, especially with uh, Mark and Dale Hunter, who you've said before had a tremendous impact on your hockey career. And look, they're the they're the premier team in the Ontario Hockey League. They're a rival, obviously, a huge rival of the team you're coaching now, mm-hmm. but. You can't argue with the success, and everybody loves to hate on them, but you obviously got a lot out of being around those guys. What kinds of things, what kind of wisdom, what kind of influence do they have on your career?
3: Um, yeah, I, I mean, you can't measure it, really. I think um, when Dale came in as coach, before him we had Lindsey Hofford, who was also a good coach, and he's, he's a good coach, but way better at like um, picking out players and... and and scouting, um, he's taken off in his career that way, and done a lot for Toronto and all that to uh, that as well. But when Dale came in and took over, the thing that I that kind of blew me away as soon as he came in, he wasn't long out of the NHL. I don't think maybe a year or two that he'd been retired that he started coaching. Um, it was just a different feel right away. He treated us like we we're in the NHL right away, and I think. Especially back then, how coaches, how coaches were back then in junior. They knew they had your whole career in their hand, and they they used that. And he came in, and it was just blew, blew me away, like what it was actually like, and how how he treated us like adults and gave us some room. Never really wasn't screaming at us and all that stuff. So um, that was the biggest thing that I noticed. Um, and then <clears throat> obviously Mark too was always around. He was the GM. I was always up talking with them and just. I think just, just learning how to be a pro so that when I went there, I felt a lot more comfortable in the situation, I think was it had a lot to do with it. And then I'm sure they taught me quite a few things <laughs> along the way too, but... I've had a lot of coaches since then, <laughs> A couple of concussions, and I don't know I'm not sure. <laughs> you had him again in
0: Washington, actually. Yeah. Did, did his coaching wow. style change at all from when you were in London and then seeing
3: him in Washington again? No, it was exactly the same. <laughs> uh, it was exactly the same. That's right. I, I had him for. I think he came in in December, maybe yeah. after they fired. They fired Boudreaux. Um and then he came in in December and just did that. That one year. Um, you know, I think he did a. I think he did a good job. We were a team that was kind of in between, and uh, at that time with Washington, that's when we they've had a they had good teams year after year after year, but then just came up short in the playoffs. Um, and they were kind of in that transition. You know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, we should be they should be breaking up their core. They got to start over again. These guys can't win. Blah blah blah. And so he kind of came in in between there, and um, he's definitely quite a bit different than Boudreau and his his way he saw the game and the way he coached it they're ob- they obviously play even in London they play pretty defensive for the most part through the neutral zone and, and the way they, they trap and they're opportunistic that way um, and Washington was completely different <laughs> they were just run and gun at that time right so he was trying to bring that that style in and uh, I mean at that time to get Ovi to play that way was a tough sell <laughs> <laughs> You you
0: mentioned Ovi. Obviously, he had quite the summer after winning the Stanley Cup. Do you have an Ovi story? Because you you caught him when he was younger, right? Now he's a little bit older, uh, thirty three. Do you have any a good Ovi
3: story from when you were like, what is this guy all about? Um, not not really. Like I, I we did we didn't really hang around with Ovi much. Ovi's. The Russians are a bit they're a bit different like he had Ovi had his, his brother who was there and I think he might have his dad and uncle he had like a whole crew of, of his friends and family living with him that he had brought in over and, and so he, he was kind of away from the rink he kind of kept to himself and he did that but when he came to the rink he was you know came to work and did his job
2: you talked at the end of your career about the game. Changing to the point that it was getting faster, more skilled, which is hard for me. Just looking at numbers, for you to be a guy that wouldn't fit into that style of play because you were you were an offensive defenseman. You were you know point to game guy for stretches of your career. When you when you knew it was over, um, did how tough was that to say, geez, this like I'm am an old guy in the game. You're still early 30s, and it's it's games passing you like that. Is it is it because Johnny Goudreau was there?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think. Um, I had, it wasn't that hard. I mean, I feel like I've known for a long time where it was going. I knew, I knew ten years ago, five years ago, that where the game was going and my style, or the how I, how I, actually my skating ability. It wasn't. I wasn't going to get any faster. Um, and I was getting by. I was getting by for the most part on being able to think the game better than who, who I was playing against. Sometimes and that was kind of how I how I could get by with anticipating a play or getting there first and and whatever. But if I ever got in a situation where I made the wrong read, I wasn't catching anybody, <laughs> <laughs> so well, I was in trouble. So it, you know, and then as I got older, I got to the point where it was it didn't matter. It was it was where they were going. There was a lot bigger emphasis on on gaps and you know when the analytics came in and um, shot suppression and all that stuff and. Um, you know, no longer was it okay just to keep a guy to the outside and let them shots go. Now they want they want you to shut it down on the red line or at the blue line, and for that you have to be, especially with how fast forwards are, you have to be a pretty elite skater at, in today's game. So I mean, I, I kind of felt like it was probably coming, um, <laughs> you know, and I had I had lots of time to prepare for it. You mentioned the uh,
0: thinking the game at that next level. Now, as a coach, is, do you find it difficult to? Because you, you can't really coach thinking the game like that. So do you find it difficult to try to show the players what you're thinking and try to allow them or put them in a position where they're on the ice thinking, oh, I see what Wides is talking about now?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to find a way to, to communicate with each kid. I think some of them are probably more visual, and they would, they're would they better with uh, video and showing you know this clip and then this clip and kind of comparing the two. Um, other kids you can just talk to and they, they, they just get it. So it's finding what works best for each, for each kid. I think, yes, I, I have to sometimes, I'm trying to figure out, like, I don't want to go too far where I'm like, you know, it's so easy on video. Thanks. (laughs) yeah, You're smart. But, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like I, I saw the plays or I see those things happening and, and trying to explain to them to try to make those reads and, um, you know, when you're, when you're defending and there's a breakdown and you're defending a two-on-one or an odd man rush, how to defend it properly given the circumstance and trying to get them to make those reads. And if they see a guy, he's on his backhand. Well, now you maybe play off quite a bit more to take the pass away because you're not really as afraid about a backhand shot as you are forehand and just how to play those situations and stuff like that. So that's, you know, that's something that I'm working on trying to explain to, to the kids as well.
2: Did you always know it was going to be coaching next or staying in the game somehow as opposed to going back to the family farm in Woolwich?
3: No, I think, no, I, you know, my last, yeah, probably the whole time I was in Calgary, I I thought about maybe I would want to coach or maybe I might want to coach, and I st- started to kind of pay a little bit more attention to, to what they were doing and how they kind of went about things, maybe some decisions and stuff they were making about, you know, when when he came in and yelled at us and other times when they came in a little softer I started paying attention to that stuff a lot more because I was consciously thinking about maybe at some point I would um, I never thought it would be this quick I had I had lots of plans I was going to get a snowmobile I was going to go to the cottage every winter all these first first couple of years we were going to go travelling and do all this stuff and then no, I jumped right back into it now I have the, now I have the same schedule as I did when I played and I still can't go to the cottage in the winter <laughs> Jay McKeel will do that to you though when yeah. he calls you answer right yeah yeah no it, yeah it just kind of happened I was still I was actually still skating um, with the team when Jay had asked me if it'd be something I was I was interested in I was like yeah sure I mean it worked out I mean I don't I don't think there's not probably not too many jobs that come up for Kitchener and um, you know with me wanting to be in Kitchener Waterloo and and raise our kids there and have them go to school there and everything we had bought a house um, in Waterloo uh, five years ago I mean it was pretty limited to where I could have coached it would have been here Guelph London's even a bit far with how much travel it would be I mean it's you could do it I could do it for sure but uh, you know that's kind of and then this one came up so I, I got pretty lucky
0: I just want to go back a little bit because you talked about in the past about uh, thinking the game you talked you mentioned analytics shot suppression um understanding when a forward has got the puck on their back end it's not like for people who don't know Dennis Weidman it's not like you're one of the hockey players that you know get puck shoot puck go skate hard you're not you're an intellectual guy you think about that kind of stuff we see you reading all the time have you always been that kind of thinker even growing up?
3: Um, I think so I think I questioned a lot I had a lot of questions Um, I kind of questioned everything Um, I think that I think that it probably annoyed some of the coaches <laughs> that I that I've had in the past. How about referees? Questions, <laughs> uh, questions, and answers. I had lots of, but um, I'm sure that was pretty frustrating. But yeah, I, I think I think I've always been just kind of saw the game the way I saw the game. Um, yeah, and then you're trying to pass that on a little bit to the to the younger kids, but um, it's it's a battle of. I know how the how the game's being taught at the next level and how they want the kids to, how they want them to play. So I'm I'm trying to figure out at this level what they can actually do and that we can still win games here but at the same time getting them ready for how the game's played at the next level. So you're kind of trying to find that balance. I mean, there's I mean, at the next level everybody's good. So you can force your D to play aggressive at the blue line and play up and guard that line. Whereas, you know, at this level, you have some guys that probably can handle it and some guys that can't, but you can't have a system that, okay, you you three or four or five do this and, and then you do this. So it's it's finding that balance of, of what they can handle and what they can't. All right.
2: Uh, We've got to let you get some lunch, and there's a game to get to too. But I, I want to ask one more completely out of left field. But when you okay. start talking about analytics and stuff, uh, and I think back when I, when we look at your career numbers, you had some seasons where your plus minus was – off the charts like plus 50 plus 60 and I've heard in this day and age with analytics and everything else that plus minus is a terrible stat as a defenseman how do you feel about it?
3: It's a terrible stat I've always, <laughs> always said it's a terrible stat but those those seasons that you're talking about there, that was only one or two <laughs> that were that way I had some that were off the chart the other way too
2: <laughs> I so, must have missed those uh, yeah,
3: thanks for that <laughs> but uh, no I think it's I mean they have more direct I mean when, when, we watch video, when i watch a video now, I, I'm watching the the guys' games, and I have uh, a little running total that I keep of of the D-men at least that of every chance that I think they could have done something about that they were directly involved in. So sometimes they get a scoring chance, and it's just the one guy that gets one. Sometimes it's both of them. Um, so I think I, I think that it's more that way. I and mean, you know, if, if forwards are getting minuses that you know, a defenseman got beat one on one, and the guy went in and scored and a forward gets a minus. It's just a, it's a dumb stat. Do you get pluses when a forwards are cycling? They don't even touch the puck. They're just standing on the blue line, and they score a goal, and you, you, you somehow you get a plus for that. If you're not involved in the play, you're not involved in the play. So that's why that stat's kind of out the window. And then there's other parts of it too where um, <clears throat> maybe you get a 5-6 defenseman or a third or fourth line. Um, you know, maybe the guy's minus 15 or minus 20, and you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's that's bad. But they get limited minutes, and then maybe they got caught out against the top line or something on the road, and they don't score a whole lot of goals. So maybe they've only been actually out for like 22 goals against the whole year. If you look at it that way, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a, the top line guys maybe been out for 100, but they've been on for 100 too. So it's, it you know, it can go that way too where you're just you're in a position that you're not you're not getting a whole lot of offensive zone starts or you're just you're just not scoring goals. So every goal against makes it makes it look bad when it's actually not that bad. We
2: appreciate this. Thanks very much. Yeah
3: no problem guys thanks.